0: Backchat Studios is a part of the ACAST Creator Network. Head to backchatpodcast.com.au to sign up as a patron and access all of our merch.
1: Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your borough purchase at borough.com slash acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at borough.com slash acast. Well
0: here we are on the back shot basketball show hello at backchatpodcast.com.au is where you can email us or Instagram backchat uh, underscore basketball or, show, or something like that just search backchat basketball show on Instagram and you'll find us today we've got a very special episode the NBL is over Sydney Kings win uh, we talked about that all last week but today uh, tonight wherever you are it's this morning for Tim for me it's the night Tim Cato from The Athletic joins me uh, to talk NBA Mavis everything else in between Tim, good morning and welcome.
1: Good morning, good evening. Uh, shout out to the Sydney Kings, man! It's looking up for Kings everywhere. You know, <laughs> Sydney, Sacramento. You mm-hmm. and I talking yes. on a podcast, two Kings, couple of Kings. That's right, man. Yeah. It's a it's a Kings themed themed uh, show. Morning <laughs> life, a that's life right. really. We're we going back own... to monarchies.
0: That's, well, we're, well, I live in Australia, and we're currently under some sort of agreement where we have a queen. Uh, oh, sorry, the Queen's dead, recently, uh, the King now. um, So, you know, you guys have a a president situation over there. We're not going to get into politics, but,
1: you know, that's what's happening. We had a King situation and then we, uh, I'm told we fought a little war.
0: Yes. Yeah. Let's not get into that too much because I don't want to get any hate mail (laughs) or anything like that. Um, So, Tim Cato, you work for The Athletic. Um, You travel around the country following the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I don't want to sell yourself short, but you do a lot more than that as well. You and I have first worked together oh years ago now for the um, for Mavs Moneyball from SB Nation. Um, you essentially got me my first ever gig in sports media, so I'm for, forever indebted to you for that. Um, but yeah, we've we've had we've had a, a bit of a history. I lived in your house for a small period of time when I was really over good. in the States. Um, one of the best times of my life. Thank you for your hospitality. It was great. Um, you you introduced me to um, Cesar's Tacos at about 2.30 in the morning. Um, doesn't matter what time of uh, – sorry, it doesn't matter what day what time, there's tacos there all the time, and it was just a very good time of my life. Um, Tim Cato, we're going to talk NBA first up. Um, we do a little bit of just a wraparound of things that are happening Um, So let's go with this week because I don't know when this exactly is going to come out depending on times of day and stuff like that. But the Mavs this week, let's start with them because I always talk about the Mavs. They lost maybe the ninth game in a week to the Grizzlies like they they seem to be playing the Grizzlies every other game and keep losing to them. What have you been seeing with the Mavs, especially post Kyrie trade?
1: So I have this theory and I talk about this actually I talked about this uh, last night my last night um you know I guess your morning um yep. <laughs> on my podcast 77 minutes which if you just want unfiltered unhinged Mavericks conversations really get into the league as a whole but 77 minutes it's out there mm-hmm. and one of my faves uh, I I have this theory that like one of the reasons why the 82 game season is too long there's a lot of reasons why it's too long but one of the reasons why the NBA could very easily go down to 72 games is that at the 72 game mark, and that's where the Mavericks are. They just played their 72th uh 72nd game. <laughs> 72th. How you say that. <laughs> 72th. And uh, most of the time the season is more or less the regular season is more, more or less decided. You have a good sense of what the teams are. They're just playing for seating. Yep. I have no clue what the Mavericks are. I don't understand a lot of the teams in the Western conference. Um, I think the safest conclusion to draw is that maybe they're just all bad. But the Mavericks at least have this star duo, and star talent wins in the NBA. But this star duo has not been together, even when Luca and Kyrie have played. Luca is not right right now, or or yep. when he was playing, he was not right. Um, you know, he doesn't. You know, I think his his injuries and his level of of physical shape kind of. There's blurred lines between where one stops and where one ends. So that's what he's, you know, he's missed five games. He might miss more. I I, I can't say that for sure right now. Uh, You know, it's possible that he returns on on Wednesday or it's possible he continues missing games. And that's kind of the situation the Mavs are in, which is this, just this purgatory, just this stasis of waiting for, you know, one of, you know, I think I can say the most talented duo that, you know, in franchise history. Yeah, sure. There's That's some arguments fair. to be made because no, fair, you know completely. I'll argue or I'd, I'd argue for Dirk and Corey Brewer, just on the basis <laughs> of Dirk himself being that. Let's
0: let's let's get exactly, weird. exactly.
1: But it's very clear that, you know, Luca and Kyrie will dictate what happens, not just this season, but with Kyrie being an unrestricted free agent coming up this summer. It's going to yes. dictate, you know, that duo is going to dictate a lot about the future of this franchise and to sure. just be in this, you know, just waiting period, you know, like, like uh, you're out with your wife and she's shopping and you're sitting on that, you know, little, little uh, couch that they provide you. You don't know when it's going to end, you <laughs> no. know, no. and and you don't know, you know, what's, what's the benefit for you? I mean, a, a, a hot dress. I don't, I don't know, you know, but that's <laughs> down the road. So we're all just waiting we're all just trying to figure out mm. what are these mavericks and and when are they going to show us
0: obviously tim cato married um so can can pull in that reference because you completely understand shopping with your wife um so today well whatever i'm, I'm just going to say today but the mavs obviously they lost to the grizzlies again dylan brooks got his 18th tech now um there's been a lot of talk of him lately because he seems a bit of a, a dirty play does weird shit, and he like says stuff a lot. I was like, that's a lot of techs in a season, right? And then I thought, let's let's just have a look who's got the most techs ever in a season. Rasheed Wallace, 41. So like... I was so, about to say, could I guess? Because I was going to guess Rasheed. Sorry, you, you would have guessed it. But 41 seems outrageous. So you and I have played a bit of pickup basketball uh, when I was over there. I think I beat you every time. Have you played much organized basketball uh, with... Citation with the, needed. <laughs> have you played much organized basketball with a, with a referee?
1: Not a lot. I mean, high school, of course, and yeah. here and there, a couple college leagues that I uh, partook in. Yeah, Kentucky, in Duke, that it's, sort it's of thing. it been years. Yeah, yeah, no, of course, of <laughs>
0: course. Uh, Sydney so, Kings, you know, I just led them to a championship. So were you a tech foul getter? Like, were you a guy that was getting techs? Never, never. Really? Because
1: again, for the most part, when I was playing with refs, I was still in high school. My parents would have beat my ass. <laughs> I got a tech. Also, I was not good enough. Like, there is a okay. certain level of good to tech ratio that Dylan Brooks is just destroying. Draymond yes. Green, at least like, all right. You're good. Luca, yep. you're good. Dylan Brooks, you're not that good to be getting eight to be leading the league in techs.
0: Yeah. I think I'm in mean, so I played Monday nights at Warwick Leisure Center. You wouldn't know what that is. I reckon I probably got one tech every three games because the problem for me was that I wasn't good enough. So I used to get really chirpy and I'd clap back at referees. I would say stuff. I never did anything dirty, but I definitely received a few texts. I just thought you would have a bit of quiet, like white line fever about you that you might get a little heated.
1: You know, this is actually really taking me back. And I think texts, I, so I went to private Christian school um, and... Those refs were actually pretty quick with their tech whistle. I, I do think I got one or two here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just remember thinking, what did I do after every one? My move, and this yeah. one never got me any techs. I got a couple of techs where it's just like, I was, you know, two players fouled each other. I was one of them. And the ref was like, double text, double tease, Y'all don't yes. do that. Yeah. My no, move was whenever the ref made a call against the other team, I was like, good job, ref. Good job. Good call. Yeah. Great call. And I would I, just hype yeah. them up every time they were benefiting us. And, <laughs> you know, there's a little bit of, uh, of, of something in there. You know, like, obviously, there's some sarcasm, especially if we felt the calls weren't going our way. Yes, Like, correct. just effusive pl- praise anytime that they actually, you know, did make a call for us. A little sarcastic clap. Yeah. But uh, I usually kept that stuff pretty mellow. That's so. good. I,
0: I think for me, text usually came from me talking to my team. So I used to do this. I'll do a thing where like I'd, I'd speak my mind about the referee's calls or the way the other players are going, but I'd say it to my team. And so it's like, I'm not talking to anyone. I'm literally just, I'm talking to my team. Like you can't tech me for expressing my feelings towards my own team. Yeah, that was my dropping. That was my go-to. Mind your business. Stop listening to my conversations. Hey, Tim, the first thing that I usually ask every single guest um, on the Backchat Basketball Show, it's a thing that we do on the Backchat Podcast, which is um, another show that I'm a part of, is that we ask our guests their greatest sporting achievement um, in their life. Now, because you are a basketball reporter, and I know you play, like, basketball every now and then, pick up, whatever, you can't use basketball um that's only the fair thing. So you can give your greatest sporting achievement, but it can't be in your field of choice. So um, I'm going to keep padding for you. I I'm, I don't know. You've probably never played cricket before. I don't know for some I've reason. Not. No, it's a it's a it's a medium to good game at best. Um, but <laughs> I I performed very well as I guess you would say the equivalent of a pitcher um, in baseball. Um, I got five people out and only took a certain amount of runs. That's my greatest sporting achievement. It was an under 12s and it was in a grand final. Do you have anything you can share in terms of greatest sporting achievement? Anything you hang your hat on is like, you know, Tim Cato didn't make it in such and such, but he did do this one thing.
1: Greatest. And I, I can tell you're using a bit of a, you know, you know, it's greatest. It's greatest, but what's well, my going I'm going to, I'm gonna to toss out three that come to mind and I'll let you decide for which me. one is best. Okay, good. Um I want an intramurals. you know, I don't know if that term translates to uh, no, Australian English. So just uh in college, you know, you sign up for you know to play casually. And okay. so intramurals. uh I want a ultimate frisbee uh, <laughs> I knew, game. I knew
0: you'd say ultimate frisbee, you're such an ultimate frisbee guy.
1: No, no, no. But here's the thing. I signed up. I only played in the championship game and I played like 20 seconds. (laughs) And but I won. technically I was on the championship team. Um, I also played uh, my senior year of high school. Um, I played baseball with high school team. I wasn't good at that either. Um, I'm trying to think. I don't think I ever got a hit in a real game. I got some in scrimmages. One time I got subbed into right field. I don't really know why the coach did this. Again, I was not good. And I went, you know, the, what would have been the game winning out, you know, like we were up. It would have ended the game. Yep. It got hit in my direction, like with a little bit of pace. And I just sprint for it. And I thought I was so certain that I just made a like a highlight catch. Yep. And then I look in the balls behind me and I think <laughs> we were up like four runs. And I think the team came back and beat us in that in that inning. And so it's kind of great in a in a you know man um, yeah, they put you I out there in actually, a in the championship have, game. I have no clue how that's great whatsoever. Uh, it was not a championship game, in, in in our in our defense, at least on that one,
0: right? Um, it's great in your I, own right. You can you can hold on your hat onto whatever you want. That's the beauty of exactly. this list. There's no judge. There's no jury. It doesn't matter.
1: And then and then what might actually be the greatest is uh last night, Dan. Last night. Okay, that's great. Let's go this morning for me. I hit, I hit a very good pool shot, a very good (laughs) one. Billiards, uh, billiards. You you might (laughs) say the table's a little smaller, and you know I nicked it, uh, put it off the wall, brought it back into the the opposite corner, and then I finished off. Um, you know the I one ball left on the table, and the eight put those away pretty easily. Right, easy peasy. And I was playing against one of the toughest competitors I've ever played in against in my life. It was me I was playing by <laughs> myself. That sounds lonely, but it might it might be that one. Um, okay. Out of those three sports, by far, I am actually pretty good at pool at billiards. I, you I, I'd,
0: I would say um, for me, the most impressive thing is probably the billiards. You, I could just imagine you in a in a bar at one a.m. playing billiards or playing pool against yourself, probably nine beers deep. Um, At 1am,
1: hard rule, you can only play against yourself like about 7pm it becomes unacceptable. But you (laughs) go for happy hour and you just, you know, relax and after work you want to do something. You know, I'm on the computer a lot of the day. Yes. I want to do something where I'm moving around using my hands, like, you know, uh, work on my yeah. shooting technique.
0: Pool, pool is a very active sport. I can understand why you think that. Um, <laughs> one, one thing that uh, I learned about America when I lived there was happy hour is not actually an hour. In, in here in Australia, happy hour is from 5 till 6 p.m. because it's one hour. In, in America, happy hour is like from 2 p.m. till 7 p.m. is happy hour. It's an idea it's very good. It's a much better way of doing things. Um, so you, you know, the, the cheap drinks are always very beneficial at that time of the afternoon.
1: What I like to say is any hour can be happy if you, uh, just
0: make it. So very good. I love that a lot. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk a little bit more actual basketball. Um, what's your, so how many games do you reckon has Curry played in, at the Mavs now? Is, are we in like 11, 12, Sort of yeah, areas. I know the stat off the top of my no, head. No, that, that's I fine. I, but believe it, it's,
1: I believe it's twelve.
0: It's yeah. around that, right? So it's a, it's, it's a good enough. That. It's a good enough time where people can like make their mind up of like probably not whether it's worked, but like if things are happening. So based on the last month and and how many games he's played, what do you think the chances are of the Mavs retaining Kyrie? And is it is it working? Like has it worked? Is not a you can't answer that yet. But is it working? Where do you sit on that?
1: It is working. Yeah. Okay. And I will say when they made the trade, my concerns, the questions that came along with it, they were not whether Kyrie Irving, when he's on the basketball court is going to be very good. And he has been, you know, just phenomenal for the team. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just a delightful, you cannot teach aesthetic. And this man Mm -hmm. has an aesthetic quality to his game. Everybody knows this. Like he's, he's a fan favorite over the years. Uh, for a reason, but now that I watch every minute of his career, you know, every minute that he plays rather than, you know, highlights and finals and playoffs and, you know, occasional regular season games I catch, man, it's, it's just, you know, the way that he uses angles on layups, the way that, you know, he, he had one play where he dribbled basically under the rim and then did a step back five foot jumper and <laughs> banked it off glass. And I'm like, I've saw that. And I'm like, who does that? You know, and it's it's you 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 if you if you watch enough Kyrie, you can maybe actually picture that move in your in your head. You know, yeah. al- Australian Kyrie. Um, yeah, of course,
0: we'll claim him when we yes. want him. But
1: yeah, <laughs> well said. Um, it, it, and that's you know, this is where the questions come from. Um, the questions are our health, and um, you know, he is a player who's been hurt a lot in his career. Uh, the questions are availability beyond health, because he's very known for not appearing in basketball games for reasons that are in his control, as we all know. And this unrestricted free agency that's coming up is, is definitely looming. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I can't tell you whether he's going to resign. I, I, I don't have a good sense one way give, or the other. I give us a best- percentage.
0: Give us a percentage that you feel.
1: Let me, let me, let me provide the context, and I'll see the percentage. You're a coward.
0: You're a coward. You
1: can't come on,
0: man. Put your balls on the line.
1: Let's do so, it. So, so here's the thing. I think Kyrie might need the Mavs, and the Mavs might need Kyrie more than either side want each other. Yes. And the Mavericks will say, "Oh yeah, we want, we wanted Kyrie, we wanted Kyrie." And I believe they believe that. But obviously, if there was another star available without the same baggage, without the same question marks. They would have preferred that um, Kyrie. I don't think he has, you know, it, it seems like he, he likes, um, you know, he thinks Luca is very good. He likes Jason Kidd. He has a standing relationship with their general manager, Nico Harrison. I don't know if there's anything tying him to Dallas, except for the fact that Dallas might be the only team that offers him max money,
0: that money. Mm-hmm. But
1: here's the thing. All it needs to be is a business relationship. You know, if if those two, if both sides need each other, then it continues and we'll see what happens after that. That is, you know, even more questions come up if you sign him for four years at max money. And, you know, there's all of the questions about, uh, you know, just whether he is going to be on the court. But I do think I'll say I'll say. Fifty five percent. Pushing sixty percent, he stays in Dallas. Right, which does and leave a decent—that's forty you percent, know, decent chunk for him to, to not be here next season. Of and course, that would be a disaster for the Mavericks. But I'm leaning yes. towards him staying.
0: Compared to where you were at when he first signed, like what percentage were you at that he would be a Dallas Maverick in 2020? I don't even what year we are. Twenty. Uh, the, uh, this next season.
1: Right. I think when they made the trade. I would have said like ninety or ninety five. I couldn't have really? imagined that they would have made the trade without. And this is yeah. just you know this was my assessment of the situation. I couldn't believe that they would have made the trade if they weren't very confident. Mm. And over the past few weeks, that confidence has fallen a little bit. And I think it's it's pushing back up.
0: Yeah, is it's it just, wins? Is it wins losses at the moment? Is that all it comes down to? Do you think like if they come on a good run at the end and you're like, yep, he's he's confident I don't think in the so. team's ability? I I don't I don't think.
1: I'll say I'll say this. I'm not sure there's anything the Mavericks could have done, could do this season on the court that would impact Kyrie's decision to stay. Right. Um, What they're doing right now is certainly if if there is anything that could impact his ability to stay or his decision to stay, then um, what they're doing right now can't be helping. But he does not seem a guy who is going to be swayed by, you know, a small stretch. Where Luca's mostly injured or absent or, mm. you know, just by the playoffs. He he seems like a man who has a bigger perspective about the decisions he makes in his life, uh, for better or worse.
0: Yes. Okay. Well let's um we're, we're gonna talk one one or two more things about the Dallas Mavericks before we move on to Tim Cato, the man, the myth, the legend. Um uh what was the question I really wanted to ask you about? Oh yes. Josh Green. Let's talk Josh Green. I'm Australian. You're pseudo-Australian. I feel like eventually we're going to live together in like a big condo, like apartment complex or something here in Australia with Josh Green. So what have you compared to Josh Green that you saw when, they, when he first joined the Mavs? You were covering the scene closely then to the Josh Green that you see now. Um, it's nine day, right? It's, it's crazy how this guy yes. has just come out and been... All of a sudden, not just a guy that like I'll oh, chuck him on at the end because because we need someone to fill time. Like where you're like we need him.
1: It's it's incredible. Uh, I I have been very impressed with the development I've seen from Josh Green from his rookie year to now. I I and I think here's the way I would describe it. Um, when I really look at young players and their draft profiles to use kind of a scouting term that that teams love to throw around. I think that there's a lot of outcomes, a lot of good outcomes I saw for Josh Green when he was drafted when he was a, a rookie. And what he's done hasn't, has been outside of this positive lane or positive journey he could have gone down. All Josh Green needed to do to become a good NBA player was hit corner threes and you know, occasionally, uh, do a little bit inside the arc and play great defense. And this man is turning into a driving scorer more nights than not over the past couple months. And one thing, one thing that really translates from translates from college or is a warning sign from college to the NBA is if you don't finish well at the rim. Right. And Josh Green at Arizona did not finish well whatsoever around the basketball, which you can imagine why it's a warning sign. If he's that athletic and he's playing against less athletic players, like it's, it's kind of a lack of shooting touch. Mm. This man in three years has developed shooting touch. That is not a thing that is expected or common to happen with NBA prospects. I don't know what it is, but he's shooting like 55% on floaters. That is very good. That is very high. Uh, you know, like 75% at the rim. Uh, those, those are incredible numbers. They make sense given his athleticism. Hmm. But it's not something that, as a rookie, I would have expected for him. And it does really lead me to think that this is going to become a, a really solid 15 point scorer in the NBA, if, you know, possibly more.
0: Yeah, that's right. Can just for a little bit, I don't know if you're super familiar with this song, but just uh, an ode to Josh Green and a little sort of break for us. We're just going to jam this out for a second. Also, that's John Farnham uh, with one Australian anthem, which should be our national anthem to be honest, You're the Voice. Are you, are you familiar with that track at all? Has that come up at all in I your am. I yeah, am. I, I, I can't tell you anything more
1: about it, but I'm very familiar with that song. I've heard it. Good. I don't even know what context I usually hear it in. I just know... <laughs> I'm okay.
0: It's 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 a great track, and it's a little uh, nod to Josh Green, um, and also Kyrie Irving uh, when he's good. And um, I was always just really hoping that one day Kyrie, in in a very Kyrie fashion, would go, "Hey, I'm going to play for Australia at the Olympics this this year." Because um, I don't know if he still has any sort of link or citizenship to Australia, but we claimed him for a little while um, when we're talking. You know, when people talk about the best Australians to play in the NBA. Ben Simmons for for about three minutes was that um and Kyrie Irving, you you chuck him in there as like a an honorable mention. Um all right let's talk let's talk um your sort of career. So currently writing for The Athletic, you have a podcast called 77 minutes. Um you w- like what's your sort of arrangement with The Athletic and uh coverage of the NBA at the moment.
1: You know, I'm I'm their Mavericks beat writer. Um Yep. But I have, uh, so I came from SB Nation and mm-hmm. where I kind of covered the NBA at large. It was, you know, kind of an entry level role. It made a lot of sense to to jump to full time team coverage. But over the past few years, and, and I've kind of always done this at The Athletic, I've tried to f- pick my spots to be an NBA reporter who's doing NBA wide stories. And, you know, trend stories are things that really uh, come to me. I've one that I'm working on. I think I'm going to tell you about a little bit later, but you know, in the past I've written about general managers being addicted to their cell phones. And I've, uh, you know, I've talked to players, whether they go back and watch their own highlights. Um, Jamal Crawford told me he does, and this is the best quote I've ever gotten. (laughs) He does it. because He has so many moves. He has so many moves. He forgets them. (laughs) So he has to go back and, and be like, Oh yeah, I used to do this. I should try doing that again. And so that that one was a lot of fun. Um you know, I've talked about the relationship of, you know, you, you shoot a corner three and you're right in front of the other team's bench. What happens? You know, like like what's what's you the track? Turn trash around out? and you give them a yeah. wink. You know, I don't think any of them said that precisely, but that's what <laughs> I would do. And I know that's what you would do. <laughs> just the wink.
0: So yeah, just it's, a little it's incredibly like emasculating it's incredibly just like it really (laughs) hurts there's no words spoken just the wink
1: yeah there's no coming back from that (laughs) truly and so actually i had a really good quote from jamal crawford on that one too he said that used to distract him that type of shot right in front of the other team's bench and i'm like oh yeah because they're you know talking shit right he's like no what no i'm thinking about what i'm going to turn around and talk shit to them (laughs) and so you know i lose focus on my jumper he's spending it before he has it I'm like, how would you expect me to know that was your answer? But it, yeah, you know, one that's really my favorite quotes. And so, one of the great things that's of, how of, I describe, yeah, right. Oh, yeah. That's, that's how I describe my overall work, role, where I am, I'm the, I'm the athletics, Mavs expert. You know, I cover them more than anybody else, you know, but I, I still cover the, the NBA. You know, it, we're, we're, we're basketball writers and, the league, and whatever the is the interesting to me about basketball, I, I try to dive into when appropriate.
0: One of the the great things I remember hearing Jamal Crawford talk about was how, um, like, you know, his crossovers and his handles and stuff, how he used to be able to basically trick his opponent into not knowing what he's going to do was because he didn't know what he was going to do either. And he used to just like
1: <laughs> last minute
0: make a decision. So they couldn't gauge what he was going to do because he didn't even know himself. That was like always one of the great things I, I remember about Jamal Crawford. Um, An artist. So what's, yeah, so exactly. So what's um, what's something that, you know, we, we, especially over here in Australia, we see the NBA from afar and we rely on people um, to give us information. Like, you know, a lot of people watch a lot of games and stuff, but then you rely on Twitter like Woj and, and Shams and stuff like that to to bring you news and, and, and your favourite writers. For me, you know, you got your Tim Cato, all of that. What's something that, like, people wouldn't understand about the life of a NBA reporter and, and the things that go on in the background? So, like, you know, from catering to, to anything like that. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't know that that would actually be the case with reporters.
1: I would say that the level of fame that a sports reporter has has to be the weirdest level, like the weirdest possible one where, you know, I was in Memphis last weekend, actually. And somebody comes up to me and asks for a selfie. And I'm always happy to. It takes me, it takes me, you know, it happens so infrequently um, paper during the was, season, maybe yeah. once a month happens right. pretty infrequently. And so I'm always a bit surprised first. I'm always happy to do it. I'm always friendly and, you know, ask for the people's names and all that. And then I've got to admit it a little bit in the back of my head. I was like, what decisions have you made in your life that's leading you to ask Tim Cato for a <laughs> selfie? I mean,
0: no, I would like, do that.
1: Okay. 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 Um, another funny thing about, um, this isn't so much, this is more about just having a job that's very public facing. You know, I produce work that can be read. One time I hadn't published an article in a few days and my dad called me and he's like, I haven't seen you publish anything. Are you okay? <laughs> and I'm like, no, yeah, I just, I, you know, I got some big projects I'm working on. Yeah, I'm fine. But, you know, like I appreciate the wellness check, you know, the, you know, is, is, is everything going all right? So yeah, it's, it's a, a, it's a, it's a funny level.
0: That's right. It's like, you know, if someone did data entry or like data entry for their job, right? No one knows right. from their family, what, how much work they've put in. But for you, because your work's so public, people can go, Hey, you haven't filled in your spreadsheets lately. I've, I've noticed, you know, that, that sort of equivalent of like, you haven't filed anything. And, um, you know, I assume. Yeah. And, and
1: of course it's better than it's, you know, the, it's, it's a good thing overall. Like I produce yeah. work that I want people to read, but it is a funny, interesting thing that it's just like, yeah. A bulk of my job or, you know, like a lot of the most important aspects of my job are is just out there, just out there for everybody to read or look at yeah. and, and make their own conclusions about.
0: We all get to judge your work. It's great. Um, So uh, I want to talk about like sort of fandom. So obviously at some point in time, you were like a fan of the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I was. And that's what got you intrigued in writing about the team at Mavs Moneyball. Um. Where uh, we, I, I'm gonna say, work together, and I used to send you really shitty graphics, and you felt obliged to post them because mm-hmm. some guy was making them for you guys for free. Um, let's let's talk fandom because for me, I'm finding myself working more in sports. Like the it's it's waning because you, you're looking at them all the time, and it it stops you from being analytical if you're if you're fanboying. So how have you dealt with that? And like. Is there any part of you that enjoys Mavericks wins now, or is it purely business? And that's for any Yeah, time.
1: I've. I so the way I describe it is that so I, so I did grow up a Mavericks fan, and throughout my time working, you know, with you at Mavs Moneyball, being a semi professional, and then even at for a little bit a, a full time professional uh, writer, I, I still had a level of fandom. I, I like to think that I retired that fandom when Dirk Nowitzki retired that he was and is and remains my favorite athlete of all time and when he yeah and i'm very grateful that my first season on the maps beat for the athletic was his last season and i got to cover that yeah. very very grateful and feel very fortunate that the timing worked out in that way and it, it does really feel like uh when that happened all all traces of that um you know kind of disappeared. Where. Uh, the one thing I'll say about the Mavericks is even if I wasn't covering them, I'm probably going to default to watching them on a random NBA League Pass day over anybody else. I'm a little bit more interested in them just by sake of proximity and old fandom. But there's there's definitely no uh, emotions that go directly into it. And I think that's okay. I, I, I kind of have a analytical approach to sports, even the ones I'm rooting for, even the ones I'm cheering for. I have replaced what I used to have with basketball with with a bit of soccer. Uh, I've got a, a right. German soccer team. I'm a big fan of the the U.S. national team, and you know those are ones where you know we score a big goal. I'll I'll give out a yell if it's a really important one. Our mutual friend Austin can attest to you know when the U.S. scored against uh, Iran to pretty much you know get them out of the group stage. I was I was hooting and hollering
0: absolutely. Yeah. Bit of a yeehaw. Uh, Absolutely, <laughs> you got to do a yeehaw if you're in, if you're a Texan. When's uh, the last time you gave out a legitimate yeehaw?
1: I don't think ever in my life. <laughs> a sarcastic yeehaw? Uh, so many times. Okay, a legitimate. Go ahead. A legitimate one, like a a. It's just. I don't know. Maybe I'm too sarcastic
0: of a person in general. But. One one day, I feel like there's going to be a moment where your body is just trying to tell you something and you're so excited. The only thing you can let out without thinking is a big yee And it's just ingrained in your DNA and in your culture. And I look forward to, to that day and you can tell me about it. I,
1: I bet it's going to feel amazing <laughs> yeah, you know you like, like like the yeah the, like the dopamine that comes <laughs> yeah. from letting one out but it has to be the right moment i now now that this is in my head it's probably going to happen at some Don't point spoiler. i will let you know Don't but spoiler. yeah yeah I, well, yeah and i can't force it you know it's it's got to be it's got to be an ancient deep-seated <laughs> feeling that comes out of me yeah, And so I'll keep an eye out for it. What um, were we talking about? What about, what yeah. about your,
0: what about your relationship with players? Sorry, I will do that. I'm just going to throw some. That's right. That's Relation- right. What Came about relationships with players? So obviously you speak to players a lot and it's important for reporters to develop a rapport with them so they can, they can talk to you. They can feel comfortable. They can give you extra stuff that they're not giving anyone else. Is there like a level where you feel like, okay, I'm getting too close to someone or like I need to work on a relationship a little bit because they would have that many people around them that are trying to get in their grill. So how do you balance that? And how do you like not overstep?
1: Yeah. So it's an interesting thing to talk with players. There is a skill to it and, and it's kind of balancing the, I'm viewing you as a normal person. And so I'm trying to talk to you, you know, not with an air of fear or you know, reverence because you're just yes. a human, you know, yeah. but also don't, you know, I'm also trying to communicate at the same time. Don't mistake this for me trying to be your friend. I'm trying to be friendly. I'm trying to be work acquaintances. I'm trying to be the guy on the other side of the, the cubicle in the office who, you know, you always have a nice conversation with, but you don't see after work. Um, you know, and I, I think that is, it, it. it is a tricky line to walk. It's one I did, I had no clue how to do for, for years, um, you know it's it 's something i 've gotten a bit a, a bit better at, and um you can also see that there are some reporters who just are just instantly just naturally very instinctually even very good at that mm-hmm. um, and you know I was always a writer first, and I had to develop a lot of the the people skill the reporting all of those things and I still think i 'm a much better writer than I am a reporter, but it 's really the, the the biggest trick to to being you know, to talking to an NBA player or anybody, you know, kind of on that level of fame and in a job like this, it's just treat them as normally as possible um, without, you know, going too far or over the board, uh, you know, overboard about it. And, you know, I I think, you know, it, it, it it can work, but even, even now every once in a while, there's a, you know, like a, like a little like butterflies in the stomach uh, before, there's a i can't say i can't say who it is but there's somebody who used to be a very important sports figure in my life um who i was supposed to talk to a couple months back and things got pushed back i'm going to circle back to the story mm-hmm. that was a butterfly moment even if i don't think the the interviewee the person being interviewed would have ever noticed but i still get it it's a natural feeling and i i don't worry too much about that it's just about you know being better when you're actually having these conversations
0: You must notice it. Like, I feel like I've, I've always been pretty good. Um, I've always, you know, I've done journalism stuff in sports. I feel like I've always been pretty good at distancing myself to feel like even these people that I, that I have some sort of reverence for that I feel, you know, like, wow, these are like a really cool people to, to do, to treat them like that. But I've also experienced watching others like completely butcher it and, and pretend like they they want to be pals and and they they try to butter them up. And it's it's awkward to watch um, someone. You must have come across that a little bit. I'm not saying you need to name names, but, like, it is you, – when you see that, you're like, oh, man, I really don't want to be that. Um, because, man, like, the amount of people these players and, and athletes would have around them that are constantly trying to think that they're friends with, it would be exhausting for them. So the last thing they want is, like – and Tim Cato keeps asking me out for a beer and I don't know how to say – uh say no um uh let's talk about like traveling so you do a fair bit of that um one of the one of the lucky people i guess um depends who you ask that you get to um travel different games and not just watch from afar that you get put in a position to to do that um what's some what's some of what's that like what's what's moving around and and having to be told last minute you're going to memphis or you're going to utah and things like that
1: fortunately for me it's it's mostly not last minute. Uh, the playoffs can be... I will say that... So the Mavericks, of course, went to the conference finals last year and that... I've never traveled like that before. Uh, the mm-hmm. one story I always tell about it is that the Mavericks win infamously Game 7. You know, they they come back in that series. They make uh, Devin Booker and Chris Paul look like fools. And I, it was in Phoenix. I'm in Phoenix. The Mavs begin their next series against the warriors two or three days later, I probably should have thought far enough ahead that I had travel ready to go and was packed and ready to go straight to golden state because they're going to play on the road, uh, in in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. But, but I, I wasn't, I didn't prepare for that. And so the morning after game seven, I get on my, my flight back to Dallas and I sit down in my seat and my phone buzzes and it says, in 24 hours, your flight will depart. Time to check in, and it's my flight from Dallas to Golden State. Right, and so I'm I'm home for you know like 18 hours. Sleep half of that, uh, right? Back on the road. That is really difficult. Fortunately, the regular season, the athletic is is pretty good about um, you know we we pick and choose our spots, and you know fortunately, I I you know definitely gravitate towards the cities I like. Um, <laughs> you know if there's storylines if there's important things to get on in, in, in a different city if of course I'll be there and there's a good mix of that as well but you know it's not all the games uh people often ask me this and is you know common misconception now I I don't fly with the team I try I fly my own you know commercial travel uh it's better that way really um not just for the journalistic ethics of like yeah you know if I was on the team plane I couldn't report on pocket. anything I saw or yeah. heard um you know but also, you know, I'm writing and I'm working after games. They're often flying. And so it's, it's better for me to kind of spend over and, and have that uh, autonomy to write what I need to write and then travel when I need to travel. And so that's really, you know, it's there, there's there's good and there's pros and cons, good and bad things. But the reason I started traveling is, is I didn't really travel. My family didn't really travel when I was a kid. And I wanted to get around to all the major American cities. And now I really have. And and I can go to almost any one of them and say, I like that spot. I like this spot. This is what their downtown's like. This is a nice area. And so that has been absolutely a very cool thing about, uh, you know, the since I came to the athletic about just being able to pop around to
0: NBA cities, man. Get around. So I guess that leads naturally into a question you probably get all the time. Best and worst NBA city to travel to.
1: Hmm. New York is best, but that's the city I'm trying to move to at some point in my life, and so that almost feels like cheating. And right, yeah, New okay. York is New York; nothing's like New York. I would say the best NBA city is Miami. Man, you you, you land, and the weather is just it, instantly you're in a better mood. Right? Um, just a just a big fan of Miami. Least favorite? I'm gonna say San Antonio, and I think there's a the few Niagara. contenders for this. Mm-hmm. Orlando? I've never actually been to Orlando. Oh, sorry. I meant, oh, would so I said the neighbor,
0: your your neighbor, San Antonio. Uh, uh, somehow I heard
1: Orlando in there. And the, so probably Orlando the might actually be worst, but I've never been. Um, <laughs> I've avoided it. San Antonio, right. I spent a summer living in um, for an internship in college. And yep. it's it's not just not a great city, and it's not just that their arena isn't near anything, and so you can't really stay near it. You gotta take Ubers everywhere. Um, as long as I can stay in a downtown and walk around, and there's a little bit, you know, a, a few restaurants, a few interesting things, I, I'm I'm okay with pretty much every downtown. But San Antonio doesn't even have that, and I've also spent some time there. Um, and I'm I'm good. I'm okay, good. no more.
0: That's fair. Um, a couple more questions for you. One, um, I'm gonna jump to a question that I asked. So I said to my son when I was sort of prepping a couple of things to this who's four, um, I said, I'm going to talk to Tim. He doesn't know who you are, but I said, Tim, I'm going to talk you about, I'll, I'll, you know, I think you may have spoken on FaceTime one time. I said to him, we're going to talk about basketball. If you could ask Tim any question about basketball, what would it be? And this is the question, okay? So hopefully you've got a good answer. Um, why are there shoes called sneakers? Ooh,
1: that is a really fascinating question and so now the pressure is on me to
0: not let your son down please don't let him down so i I watch basketball a lot and usually it's in the morning when he's eating breakfast so i put my laptop on the kitchen counter and you know he'll be eating breakfast and um i'm watching it on one end of the counter but he's sitting on the other so he can't really see it but occasionally he comes over and watches it but he hears like the squeaking of the shoes on the court constantly and he's like what's that sound i'm like that's their sneakers and then he thinks like that they're all trying to steal things from one another but they're, mm-hmm. that they're sneaking about. So that was the question that he had for you. So look, if you don't have an so answer... I, would have
1: probably, I probably would have come up with some BS answer and mm-hmm. just would have riffed for a little bit. But I can't let your son down. Please don't. I can't do it. So I just Googled it. Okay. The word was already... The word sneakers was already in use at least as early as 1887 when the Boston Journal made reference to sneakers... As the name boys give to tennis shoes, the name sneakers originally referred to how quiet the rubber soles were on the ground, in contrast to the noisy standard hard leather sole dress shoes.
0: Right. So he's not far off then sneaking about. Yeah.
1: In another context, like obviously, it's funny because we associate sneakers with sound. Yeah, you know, squeaking. Specifically, they squeak. Uh, yeah, the squeak of a. But I guess in another context, they are quite quiet. It's just that most people in their daily lives wear rubber sole shoes now, right?
0: Okay. All right, Louis, there you go. That's your answer. Um, I'm going to ask you one more serious question and then we're going to talk about what you're working on at the moment and you're going to give us a little intel um, on the life of Tim Keter. I'm also going to, and then last thing I do before we finish up, I'm going to test you on some Australian stuff so that you can take that to Josh next time you speak to him and sort of flex, flex that you have some sort of um, you know connection with him. Um, let's talk about media narrative that's been a uh, you know in the discussions a lot in with the MVP chatter at the moment around like certain people getting more MVP props than others. But I want to talk about um, I want to bring it back to Josh Green because I saw a tweet and someone messaged me about it as well about all the the love that Austin Reeves is getting right now, and then when you comp- and the amount of money that he's going to make and the uh, the impact he's having on a team, and then you compare that to Josh Green who is better on all accounts but is not a name that the nba is pushing um and that sort of narrative that the that the media has a pl- um sort of a part to play in like do you think it's real is it like oh, when you 100%. stand on it it's it's
1: you know the media does not have a uh, secret uh group email chain or uh, <laughs> or a dungeon layer where we determine this narrative this is what with- we're talking about this week but I think I think uh on a very base level level, humans are impacted by their peers that narratives form, you know, even in your, you know, Friday beers with the boys, you know, group, like yep. narratives form in the smallest ways. I think that media members are definitely affected by uh the you know the the broad narratives or, or thinkings of, of the public. But I think maybe even more uh, interestingly, and and this is the one that we as media members always have to be careful ex- to examine, is that I think we're affected by our peers and that there can be a level of groupthink. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to break out of it. It's a very human, human condition. Um, it, It's it's very human psychology for these things to happen. But absolutely, there's no question that these things, um, you know, that the media affects how we talk about the sport. And, you know, I guess broadly, the, you know, the media affects how we talk about all sorts of things. And so, all, all I can do, you know, like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wrap up this answer because, like, <laughs> we could either spend a whole podcast on this, or, or probably not, because it's not, you know, we neither of us are, are Zach experts, but all I try to do as a, as a one media member is I just really constantly try to reassess and reexamine my biases and, and make sure that I'm not just thinking something because, oh, well Zach Lowe said it, or you know, oh, well this person said it, and. You know, it doesn't mean, you know, I'm not susceptible at times to to still falling into that trap. But, you know, I think I think if everybody approached it, you know, with a level of academic rigor, you know, I, I think we would all be in a better place. And for the most part, most of the people I like, most of the people who I call friends in the media world try to do that.
0: Hmm. Very good. All right, let's, let's throw some slang at you. And this is like the most cliche thing ever to give an American Australian slang and see if they know what it is. But who cares? It's my podcast. I can do whatever I want. I'm excited to do it. Okay, um, I'm going to give you three words and you tell me what you think they are. And then later on, you could just drop it in comments. Like if you interview Josh or if it's in, if you're an oppressor, you could just drop it in and see if he black like peeks his ear a little bit. Um, first thing, you, it may be a thing that's even over with you guys. Sanger
1: sanga sanga yeah sanga
0: hmm
1: i have not well I, I gotta guess though right go for it yeah go for it um fast
0: sports car <laughs> it's a sandwich it's a sandwich that i like that sanga like it's okay. like hey do you want a sanga for lunch
1: Singer. Okay. okay. There you
0: go. You could drop that okay. in. Um, what about dead horse, which is very relevant considering the Mavericks is a horse. Um, we're not going to talk about the Houston Rockets tweet of 2014 or whatever, oh boy, whatever it that's was. A,
1: that's a throwback. That's right. Is, is it um, a? Dead is horse. different? Is it similar or different than the euphemism "beating a dead horse"? Completely, comple-
0: completely different. Completely. Okay.
1: Different. I'm going to guess fast sports car. <laughs>
0: A dead So, Dead Horse is another name for tomato sauce, which you guys call ketchup. So, it's just oh, like Dead huh. ho- dead Horse rhymes with tomato sauce. And so, people are like, hey, can you pass me the Dead Horse? And it's just like... Well, ketchup sucks and we look, should ketchup. be eating
1: it. So, it, <laughs> it works. You know? All right. Last
0: one. Pash.
1: Fast sports car.
0: <laughs> Pash is a name for like a an intimate kiss. Like you... Oh. Tim I've heard you passed Jenny and then you're like I oh, knew oh. Pasha she that's that's just another one that's a, that's I, like a real I, ni- I say this that's like a real I, 90s don't, Australian don't, don't, reference by the way
1: Yeah yeah I you know I think the UK version of this uh, maybe a UK person would be like no this means something totally but snogging yeah. you know It's the same or, thing or yep, yep or I've heard macking Macking I away. like Pash way better than those two. Mm. Like far, far better. Um, snogging and and macking and you know there are too Trust. many ugly sounding words for. I'll admit it, a kind of kind of sloppy act. But mm-hmm. uh, let's let's put something nice with it. Let's let's give it a nice title and then yeah, you know Pash. we'll all be kissing. Last we'll all be time,
0: passion. last time, one of the last times I saw you in Dallas was. Um, uh, you were on a staircase in a world of pain because you were having um, girl problems, and I think we're all trying to. <laughs> which which one? <laughs> I don't. I don't remember. <laughs> you were. You'd had some beers, and you were feeling really down about life. Um, oh boy,
1: I remember this incident. Yes, I yeah. was. Yeah,
0: and we had to really get around you and say, like, mate, it's okay. Like, you're going to be fine, and you you were just in a world of pain. Um, but I hope since then you've managed to to have a passion or two and and feel, you know, sort that area of your life, your your life out. But that was a real funny Tim Cato moment for me. Um, Tim, let's not talk about your love life anymore. I just, it's so funny. I've got those. Well, you know,
1: I have all these wives that are taking me out (laughs) to the, uh, to To go shopping, and I have to sit on all of <laughs> yes. these couches, sit on a so, bench just, and wait just like the luca Kyrie uh <laughs> dynamic so no, tim 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 Cato's love life is it's passion is allowed pat passion passion like passion, oh yeah, mm-hmm. boy anyway yeah, yeah yeah. Okay. So that, tell, that, was a, that was an amusing moment in my life. Yeah, was um, very good. Amusing for me too. What you, what you to got it for it. me to, to close this out?
0: Tell me about where you're working right now. So, obviously, you got 77 minutes, a great podcast, which focuses on maps. Um, how how frequent is that? Is that a weekly thing? Uh, we go twice a week. Twice a week. Brilliant. Except for uh, occasional week where,
1: you know, we only do one episode. But pretty much fine. twice a week. Mond- uh, Tuesdays, uh, Tuesday mornings, Monday night, Tuesday morning for the first episode, and something on like Thursday or Friday. So, great. definitely subscribe if you want some just. Direct, raw, honest Mavs talk.
0: Mm-hmm. Great, love that. And um, what else? You, you say you're working on some big projects and stuff at the moment. Um, apart from what you you write, sort of weekly or whatever. Um, tell us what you're working on and and where we can find your stuff.
1: Yeah, I've always got a, a story or two that I'm dropping each week. Just kind of checking in on the Mavs, where where they're at, some new thoughts that I might be having about them. One feature I'm really excited about. I think it will be the next big thing that comes out uh, out of a few things that I'm working on. Is is um. So I know that you and I actually know this because we dunk all the time. But dunking hurts, um, you also, know. And so where? Yeah, I mean, I've seen. Yeah, yeah. Every day you're dunking. Uh, I don't lie to the audience. Dan. Okay, I know, I'm trying I to be. Are. I'm trying to be.
0: Are. I'm trying to be like you know, candid and stuff. But, but uh, all these
1: listeners, mm-hmm. all these listeners who we love, but you know, they don't got hops. They, they can't get up there to ten feet. No. Nope. Um, it it really hurts. You know, often can hurt. I should say. You know, basically your wrist slamming into the you know the the rim, which is not soft. And so I'm doing a story about that, and really it's about how the relationship of 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 uh, of a a player's relationship to dunking, how it changes over their careers. When you know you can imagine youngsters, it's the coolest thing ever. Halfway through your career, it's like, well, I'll do it, but I'm not going to do it in instances where I could hurt myself, and then you know, it's been really interesting right now. I'm talking or in the process of talking to some, you know, near retirement or, or recently retired vets. And I think their perspective is really interesting on it. So that's a story that's going to be out in a couple of weeks. That's I'm cool. really excited for it. I've really enjoyed doing it. Um, And uh I've got one killer quote from Anthony Edwards that uh, I shouldn't spoil, but it's no, a good one. Don't spoil it. You can it. imagine you- Anthony Edwards Oh I'm man, very good for the subject. Man, he would
0: slam it like I can imagine. Like that's I. You see the slow motion replays and like the the area below the hand. It's like it's metal. You're slamming your hand into metal. You know, it's it's not yeah. like it's yeah. a, um, you know, unless maybe people start moving to more of the DeAndre Jordan throw in, dunk like dunk where you, your your hand. So, doesn't so have a funny to thing, Larry
1: Nance. Larry Nance. Yes, I yeah, I talked to him. Freak athlete. Like mm-hmm. like. Really, people don't talk about Larry Nance as like one of the best athletes in the NBA. He really is. People
0: forget about Larry Nance,
1: man. They forget about him so often. <laughs> you know, they forget about Frank Nilakina and they forget about <laughs> Larry Nance Jr. But Larry, when I talked to him, you know, I, I talked to like four or five players at this point And, you know, everyone had told me it hurt to dunk. So I would got kind of bold and brave with my question asking. And I'm like, I walk up to Larry Nance and I was like, you know, how much does dunking hurt for you? And I was just like, I assumed he was gonna just start telling me, and he's like, "It well, it doesn't." And I'm like, "Wait, how? What? What? Like, <laughs> I already talked to all the other players, but you know, I've got a story about the it. other place that. So, but but he's so tall and he's so athletic that he basically just drops it in. You know, like he can palm the ball. The biggest thing is his hands; he can just palm the ball. So there's no, you know, like, you know, pushing the ball against his wrist to kind of maintain control. So he just yep. palms it. He just kind of drops it in there, and
0: hmm. uh, so it's for the most a- part. Just like putting a bit a of rubbish time. a bit of rubbish in the bin. You know? a little trash yeah, so there's, and, there's a
1: little trash teaser. There's a little... I love absolutely. that. Yeah, yeah. that's so great. Keep an eye out for that a couple of weeks and uh, listen to 77 Minutes and subscribe to The Athletic if you're interested in reading about... I think we're even covering F1 now. We cover all sorts of sports. We do not cover Australian oh. basketball, but we should i'll talk to my editors
0: yeah talk to them um i i subscribe to the athletic it's one of the few things that i like news outlets that i actually subscribe to i got sucked in when you signed like when you started writing for them and i think you got a little kickback so i was like yeah of course i'll sign up and get you a little (laughs) bit of cash and the athletic has been taking my money ever since um but it's good it's very good i can go on the app and and there's always a good story going on there so um Tim, appreciate you giving up some time. I know I said it's going to be about thirty minutes. We're closing in on an hour. Um, let's can we do this do this again? Like you know, not like in a, in a week. I'm not going to hit you up every week, but like in you know, a few months. Tomorrow. Okay, we'll do a daily podcast from now on, <laughs> dude. Absolutely, I'd love to come back on. Let's
1: uh, let's yep. dissect. Let's uh, let's analyze this MAV season when it's over. Uh, For sure, been enjoyable as always. good to catch up my friend
0: yeah thank you tim uh backchat underscore basketball is where you find us on instagram you can email us hello at dot. you can find all of the podcasts we do we make about 30 podcasts a month um at the moment we got a lot of shows coming out so if you ever need anything sport related head to backchatpodcast.com to you see all we do there uh tim enjoy the rest of your week and chat to you soon absolutely That episode from Backchat Studios lives on the ACAST Creator Network. If you want to sign up as a patron or access all of our merch, head to backchatpodcast.com.au.